you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. The Around the NFL podcast is actually real-life friends with Move the Sticks. Welcome back, bogus, to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Handis, and I am joined in a room that's filled with some heroes, Chris Wessling and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. Ah! Ah! It's tough to be at work right now. <laughs> Weekend <laughs> in Vegas. Is that what those sounds meant? Bunch of dads in Vegas. Then the five, you know, four and a half, five-hour drive back to L.A. It, I mean, certainly, once you become a man of my age my late thirties. Now it takes a few days to get back. So I'm just letting everybody now know pre-show grade from the old Zeuser as your host. D minus. Whoa. The gentleman. That's for your own personal, my own personal, the, the, our show pre-show grade I'll save uh, for the end of this open. This was your swan song in Vegas. I'm thinking about hanging up, hanging up the cleats just like I did. (laughs) It's like you, you turned this Vegas trip into what Ozzie Newsom did with his last draft in, in right. the Ravens. Similar praise from the football cognoscenti. People yeah. just standing up and cheering <laughs> you as you walked out of the sports book. We need a Spice Rack update because I saw some random uh, tweets from him. Yeah, Spice Rack and I were in communication via text. We could not uh, get on the same page to meet up, which was mm. a bummer. But we did. I, I uh, did see a uh, Around the NFL podcast listener approach me. And uh, said he enjoyed our work, which was really a great move considering it happened in front of all my friends. Uh, and that led to them being filled with jealousy and envy, which is really what you want. Uh, you want to win the interpersonal battles with your best friends. Go with on. every <laughs> yes, every interpersonal battle in your life, right? Yeah. So everybody else had to take stock. What am I really doing in my career, in my life? And I was just like soaking it up, doing the Pope handshake. 
Well, you, know. you really did win the weekend, yeah. like Ozzy. It's yeah. great to hear you vocalize, you know, all these things inside of your brain. For some of these men listen to the podcast too, so it might be <laughs> the end of the friendship. Wes, you also had a nice saucy weekend. I heard. We hung out. Uh, the Paramore and I hung out with Tiffany Blackman on Saturday for uh, Cinco de Derby, and then uh, NFL Network's on. Did a little brunch action yesterday. Uh, the Paramore's cousin was in town from St. Louis, so I went over my limit of fun for the weekend. Nice. I don't. I don't doubt that, Wes. That you had fun this weekend, mm. Greg, and you got down. I imagine. What got down? Yeah, you got. <laughs> what does that mean? That's what the kids are saying. Eh, that's what the kids were saying in like '86. I hung out a lot with my my kids, but I did go out for a, my wedding anniversary. Eleven eleven years. Wow. Abba, abba. About Tell that. us about the whole night. Oh yeah. <laughs> nah. Okay. All right. So Greg uh, had a nice weekend too. <laughs> we hope all the listeners had a nice weekend. It is now Friday, and this is. Uh, See, this is what I'm talking about. That's how you get a D minus. This is not Friday. It's not Friday. This is literally the f-ing opposite of Friday. It's Monday, and we have a nice show. We're gonna plow through the show. The the pre show grade here, a very solid C plus. That's the upside. <laughs> you move. Whoa, very solid. Uh, so we're gonna do some news, including uh, Big Ben Roethlisberger making some interesting public comments about his own team's draft strategy and his new colleague in the quarterback room. Uh, Saucy stuff. Uh, Also, Chris Wessling wrote a banger. Top 10 offenses in the national football. I can't hear that siren anymore. I heard it all weekend. I I think we'll go go sub-banger on this one. It's not a good show. Turn off the show, everybody. Yeah, this is terrible advertising for the show ahead. (laughs) Speak for yourself, B minus. C-plus. (laughs) So the top 10 office. We're going to carry you. We're going to carry you. National Football League. Yes, I like that. Uh, So there you go. That's today's show. And we're very excited to get to it and to start things off. Oh, and by the way, Sessler's not here. Still on jury duty. We believe all week. That's the plan. Do we believe that he's on jury duty? Yes, I believe it. There's a lot of corroborating uh, stories. Show your work. That's all I'm saying. Doesn't it seem like a nice, perfect (laughs) timing for an extended jury duty? That's all I'm saying. I believe him, but I don't believe that he tried his hardest to get out of it. (laughs) (laughs) Literally begging the judge. (laughs) I do not want to do three podcasts a week after the draft, please. Uh, So, But you know what? If you know the movie Ferris Bueller's Day Off and the principal – Starts poking around to see if Ferris really is under the weather. Right. Might have to poke around a little bit this week on the podcast. Just to make sure Mark is where he says he is. I think this is a brilliant idea. Okay. Let's do some news. He was great. I want him to play right now. (laughs) That was a little jarring uh, to hear my boy Todd Bowles, the Jets coach, uh, get really um, excitable. That That was Bowles. He was asked in a press conference, uh, I think on Friday, to evaluate Sam Darnold's first practice, and he said this. He was great. I want him to play right now. He was great. I want him to play right now. That's Todd Bowles. That does not sound like Todd Bowles. How jarring is that? It was purposeful sarcasm on his part. But But uh, he'd never done that in four years, three years coaching He showed more personality in one sentence than he did in three years. You could tell even the room, it was like nervous laughter. It's like, what is happening? Who is this guy? Yeah. Anyway, Todd Bowles. We'll get to the Jets at the end of the news, too. Uh, But let's start with Ben Roethlisberger, who has been the quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers since 2004, and he's been the starter that entire time. And he's a man that even though he's, you know, contemplated retirement and told told us that for many years, uh, has a little 
issue with his team uh, going at, going ahead and drafting uh, Mason Rudolph uh, in the third round of the draft uh, this uh, pa- the, uh, last week or two weeks ago. So now uh, you have Ben Roethlisberger talking about it, and uh, he was on KDKA's Cook and Pony uh, in Pittsburgh, and he had this to say uh, about the situation. I told them when the season was over, I felt really good, and had plan was planning on coming back for you know three to five years. Exactly what I just told you guys. Um, so I was surprised when they took a quarterback because I I thought that maybe in the third round, you know, you can get some really good football players that can help this team now. And nothing against Mason, uh, I I think he's a great football player. I don't know him personally, but I'm sure he's a great kid. Um, I just don't know how um, you know backing up or being the the third round. Who knows where he's going to fall in the depth chart? But helps us win now. But you know that's not my decision to make. You know that's on the coaches and the the, the GM and all and those kind of things. So if they feel like he can help our team, um, so be it. But I was a little surprised. Ben was also asked if he planned to mentor Mason Rudolph. Well, I, I don't think I'll need to now. He said that he doesn't need me. So if he asked me a question, I might have to just point to the playbook. You know. <laughs> Listen to that laugh at the end. Cackle. Wes, Wes, what's <laughs> going on here? I'm, I'm always <laughs> oh my that God. evil cackle. I'm always disappointed when people are predictable. I'd like to give him the benefit of the doubt when Greg's immediate analysis after the draft pick was, <laughs> is there anybody you'd rather, you'd least rather have as your mentor than Ben Roethlisberger? I think that was the question. Yeah, uh, yeah it was. was. The question, yeah. yeah <laughs> and I thought, let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe he's not that predictable. Maybe he'll – no, he's entirely that predictable. And – his little evil cackle just because Mason Rudolph said it's not Big Ben's job to teach me. Mason Rudolph was trying to be nice about it, you know. Can you use that cackle like honestly, Lindsay, like thirty times in the show? I want it. It can't be enough evil Ben, Big Ben cackle today. I think that that's a keeper. It's gonna, yeah. be, it's gonna be part of the show. All right, so Ben, he's being. It's like we have a laugh track now, like an evil Big Ben laugh track for our show. This is great. So Ben is not. Ben is not good at hiding his you know the the lesser parts of him right you know what i mean he's just he's just bad at hiding that he's kind of a jerk and he deserves some criticism for this and you know don't don't be a jerk the difference though between him and a lot of great quarterbacks is just he's kind of just bad at hiding it it's like who could be a bigger jerk than joe montana was to steve young I mean, you, you couldn't be or Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers or probably a lot of quarterbacks when if they're in a similar type of situation, they just kind of quietly go about being a jerk behind right, the scenes. Right, that's what you got to do. It doesn't, it doesn't make Ben – I'm not defending Ben as a better player, but I also understand uh, the reaction of uh, you know Dave Damashek, who's a Steelers fan, who's basically saying, you know, give me a break with all these people getting the vapors over Ben Roethlisberger <laughs> and not being thrilled that a guy's coming in to potentially take his job. It is kind of a natural reaction. He he's sort of a jerk about it. I don't uh, know if it's that unique among my, quarterbacks. My takeaway on it is is one, Big Ben, pipe down a little bit. I'm not getting the vapors over, but you have been talking about how you're going to retire right. for like five, six years now. So Sorry, like sue the Steelers if they realize that Landry Jones stinks and they have to get somebody else in there in case you you get hurt or you finally do uh, follow through on your retirement threat. So I can't – I got – you have to understand where the Steelers are, are coming from on this. And one other note is that uh, – Ben Roethlisberger once said that he would not be where he was, and he had so much help when he was young in his career from Tommy Maddox. Mm. So it's kind of like that pay-it-forward situation. But if you're maybe like 
you know, a guy that laughs like this. <laughs> Maybe you don't pay it forward and you just want to live out your career uh, with yourself in the spotlight the whole time. It's not just that he threatened retirement last offseason. It's that even though he says he's playing three to five more years, at the same time in the same interview, for the second time this week, he says, I'm taking it one season at a time. After each season, I have to take a look at my body and see how I'm going to be. Right. So, of course, the Steelers are going to protect themselves. They answer to the other the other part of their ownership, the front office, the rest of the guys on the roster, not just to Big Ben in the quarterback room. They answer to a higher power than Ben Roethlisberger. Well, it's, <laughs> it's funny, too, because it's just going to make this a bigger issue. In theory, it's gonna it's really going to make it more Needless. annoying for Ben Roethlisberger because now there's going to be more eyes on this. There's going to be more conversation about this, more questions about it. And and as much as the Steelers were happy to get Mason Rudolph, you know, their general manager, Kevin Colbert, said he was in the mix in their rankings with some of the top quarterbacks. You know, part of it's just value and circumstance. He fell to the end of the third round, and so they and so they took him. And or they, they, you know, if, if someone had really loved Mason Rudolph and taken him in the late first or second round, he wouldn't end up being on the Steelers. But they got to do what they like because they like the value. He went all out on Cook and Pony, by the way. Not only <laughs> oh, yeah. did he express these issues that he had in the playbook comment, but he also went out and said, "Well, what about?" Uh, Joshua Dobbs, last year's fourth-round pick, if you take Mason Rudolph in the third round the following year, does that mean that you screwed up your fourth-round pick? Like He's going all out uh, calling oh, out the Steelers. I didn't even Steelers. hear that. I oh, mean, yeah. That, that is I, – I mean, listen, it's we a little beyond the too. pale. Uh, you know what? Do we want to hear it? Sure. Yeah. Let's hear it. Those – him and Randy, the two guys that pulled the, the worst – I'll be honest, I'm, I wasn't worried about him coming and taking my job. I, I feel confident that I can – go out and beat whoever I need to beat out to get for my job. That's just the kind of thing I have in myself. And I do feel bad for those guys because, you know, Landry's still the week in, and, and I don't know what, what's going to happen. Mm. I assume Landry's still the two. I, I don't really know. Um, you know, and, and Josh, same thing last week. He's taken in the fourth round. Um, you know, so does it mean the Steelers, like, screw up in that pick? Like, do they think that, that he wasn't the one that they thought, or has he not developed the way they thought? Why else would you take a quarterback in the third round the next year? <laughs> well, <Gosh. laughs> <laughs> so that's what's going on with Big Ben right now. He's going through a lot of stuff, and I feel—I honestly feel bad for Mason Rudolph. I don't feel bad that he's in the NFL and he's uh, making a lot of money now, but that's a tough situation to walk into. Let's move on. Uh, the uh, Carolina Panthers have signed a new running back. His name is C.J. Anderson. Uh, he was released by the Broncos earlier this offseason, a guy that is – has a track record of success, Greg Rosenthal, and he joins a Carolina backfield that could probably use a little more heat between the tackles, yes or no? Absolutely. Great signing. I was kind of wondering what are they going to do because even if you're as high as on Christian McCaffrey as possible, I don't think you see him as 450 touches this year, and they had really no option. And C.J. Anderson – was one of, if not the best free agents at any position unsigned, I believe. Certainly the best free agent running back I can think of. I love the fit. Uh, I agree with you totally. I was working on this top 10 offense list, and one of the reasons the Panthers didn't squeak into the 10 spot was because they didn't have a power back. Mm. This fills that hole. He's a good complement to Christian McCaffrey. And didn't end up in Miami, who had shown interest in him, and I guess Frank Gore took that spot from him. Fozzie Whitaker. Cameron Artis Payne, also on the depth chart. So CJ is going to have a role on this team uh, and potentially a very big one. Uh, The Seattle Seahawks have parted ways with pass rusher Cliff Averill. Uh, He was waived with a failed physical designation, a neck injury, suffered four games into his 10th season, uh, led Pete Carroll to concede uh, earlier in the offseason 
that uh, Avril will have a, quote, hard time playing football again. Uh, so Avril leaves the Seahawks and also the NFL because he took a job, Wes, uh, with a local radio station in Seattle. So happy trails, Club Avril. Yeah, he has been embraced by that community. Um, and we all know his work off the football field, building those houses in Haiti. Um, I believe he also built a school in Haiti. So good for him that he he has been embraced and he has a job after his football career. He, he's not officially ruling out retirement for what it's worth. Uh, that if the doctors somehow cleared him, it sounds like mentally he hasn't kind of gotten to that hurdle that he's totally giving up. But it sure sounds like it, and he's got a nice uh, landing spot there. And, you know, him and Michael Bennett signing within days of each – no, on the same day, I believe, back in 2013, turned that defense from, like, rising to one of the best that we've seen, and they won the Super Bowl. Didn't they sign identical Immediately contracts? after. Very similar contracts the first time, first time around, and, and if they didn't incredible have, bargains. If they didn't have a quarterback on a rookie salary, they wouldn't have been able to sign those guys. That's fair. Five years with the Seahawks. I remember uh, he came and and was at NFL Network Studios uh, about six years ago, and I interviewed him, and he was getting jerked around by the Lions, who uh, weren't willing to pay him the money that he wanted. And he goes to Seattle, and it certainly worked out for him. I thought he could have won Super Bowl MVP. Being We were at that game live, and that was a tough one to pick an MVP. Malcolm Smith got it. But Averill was my pick as the guy who made the, the biggest difference on a snap-to-snap basis. He could have easily been Super Bowl MVP. Uh, the New Orleans Saints are moving on from Kobe Fleener. The Saints uh, are releasing the tight end. Uh, he signed a five-year, $36 million deal in free agency in 2016, but it just never clicked. Between Fleener and Drew Brees, he appeared in 27 games, just nine starts, 72 catches for 926 and five touchdowns. Uh, his season ended after a concussion in week 12. Uh, I'm not sure what his status is uh, in terms of his physical availability right now, but uh, Fleener, a first-round pick of the, the Colts, West had Andrew Luck and then Drew Brees, and it just has never happened for him. So you suspect that it never will. I do suspect that. He's never been a physical player, and now he's dealing with the fifth concussion of his career that we know about. Uh, Rap Sheet reported that he's still receiving treatment from the final concussion he just uh, ended his season last year, and he still wants to play if he can return to health. That was one of those contracts that everyone kind of made fun of the second it happened, and uh, everyone was right in this in this case. Well, I was – have you noticed the Saints can't just plug anyone in at tight end? It feels like they should be able to with Drew Brees, but Josh Hill never made that leap, and Kobe Fleener never was what they thought he and, was either. And now they're bringing back Ben Watson, a guy who's done it there before, but he's he's, 30, he's 37 years old. I was kind of surprised that he's just penciled in as their starter, but this makes that very clear. There aren't many – I was thinking about this when I was reading the story. There aren't many, I guess, Marty Bennett, who we – oh, no, we were talking about Michael Bennett. Uh, how many tight ends get signed in free agency – and then really do make a big impact. Uh, the list isn't very long, is it? No, you're right. You're right. Um, all right. You know what? This feels like a good time to check in with Mark. And again, oh, I'm not saying wow. I don't believe that Mark is in, uh, on jury duty. You're I, raising the question now. I just feel like someone has to ask it because, you know, Mark could be doing some Mark things too. That's all I'm saying. Like the case could have been settled four days ago for all we know. Has, any been, has anyone doing any homework on this? I go to Vegas, I unplug, I come back in, and everyone is just accepting that Mark is like involved in the trial of the century. 
So why don't I give him a call? All right. And what, <laughs> I mean, I've got a family to worry about. This isn't on the top of my it's list. It's got to be. I don't want Mark to know like, that I'm questioning him. So let me just call him under the theory that I need to know more about the Kobe Fleener release. Mark Sessler's thoughts on Kobe Fleener's release. Incredible. That's why we're calling. Yeah, okay. Nobody let him know. Okay. All right. That there are doubts. We're great actors. Because I know I'm not the only one with doubts, by the way. Maybe, you know, <laughs> you guys aren't speaking to them. But I know they're there. Now, if you get if it's a voicemail, it doesn't necessarily... Your call has been mm, forwarded to an automated to voice voicemail. messaging system. Is not available. At the tone, please record your message. When you've finished recording, you may hang up or press 1 for more options. Hey, Mark. It's Dan. What's up? Uh, Wes and Greg here, too, around the end of a podcast. Uh, Kobe Fleener released by the Saints after two uninspiring seasons. Just thought maybe you'd give us a detailed... Uh, look uh, into your feelings on this move uh, by the Saints and whether Fleener has an NFL future beyond last season. We, we miss you, Mark. We need you on this Fleener. Come back to us. Yeah, good luck with that case. All right. Did you wink when you said case? I Listen, I'm not saying it for sure. Mm. Moving on. That's just something <laughs> to track. Your suspicions have been roused. Derek Johnson signing with the enemy, the former Chiefs uh, star signed with the Raiders on Friday. Mike Silver had this. Uh, the, ta- the team made the uh, announcement official. Uh, 35 years old. The Raiders continue, Greg, to add uh, veterans that are probably on the other side of their uh, their prime. Uh, do you think Johnson makes an impact for Oakland this year? Not a, not a meaningful one. It just is another signing that I think goes to – prove the reporting out there that basically John Gruden is running this front office that he's doing. Yeah. Reggie got pushed out. I mean, I, I don't, I don't necessarily doubt that Reggie McKenzie enjoys working with John Gruden and fulfilling John Gruden's vision. Like they've worked to He might, but it's clear that it's John Gruden kind of, you know, making these decisions and asking Reggie to do it. So after playing his entire career, or at least the latter part of his career, in a 3-4 defense, he's moving to a 4-3 defense. I don't know if that's going to work. He, play, he played – they had a 4-3 in, in Kansas City before. But, yeah, it's 35 years old. Regardless, it's, it's, uh, it's a lot to ask. And that's been a, a trouble position for them. On, and yes. It does, and it does not look much better on paper. The Raiders are kind of a fascinating yes. uh, team. I, I was going to say potential car crash, but I don't want to – Assume that these are all going to be moves that don't work out because we don't know. But Oh, I think car crash is in one end of the spectrum of what could happen. There. Imagine yeah. it does go worst-case scenario and they drop a 4-12 and 12 and Gruden has nine years and $90 million still in the field. I, it's funny because everyone's now so against them and it's a, it's a stupid – you know, nature of mine that now I think I'm going to root for them more. Like, I just want them to be in the mix. <laughs> I don't want them to be the car crash that everyone expects. Well, you, you're it's joining mo- me in that because yeah. I felt the same thing. Like, yeah. Everyone is so sure of it that I just want to be the guy that's like, well, everybody shut up for a second. Let's just see if this guy actually can still I, do it. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm just kind of more into them being interesting because it's become a cliche now, but it's true. The Raiders are more – the league is more interesting when the Raiders are good, and especially now that Gruden's back. Like, it'll, I think it'll be more fun if at least they're in the mix a little bit. Uh, you know, we love talking about the booth. We love the booth. We cover it, and not, not, not many podcasts cover the booth as – as Nobody. heavily as us. Nobody's got the coverage of the booth that we got. CBS announced CBS announced Thursday that Bruce Arians will work in a three-man booth booth 
uh, with Greg Gumbel and Trent Green in 2018. Um, and uh, Jamie Erdahl handles the sideline reporting for that team. Uh, quick takeaway on that one, Chris Wesley. Well, I like to rank all these booths throughout the year when I Booth. watch. And let's just say that Bruce Arians landed in the dream spot. What? That booth needed some personality. <sighs> he better be good, though, because yeah. he's not good. I mean, you, dream spot as far you as... You could look at it like that, or you could look at it like he's joining a group that he can only improve to a certain level, okay. and I would rather see him at a certain... Do you think at, they'll pull him down? So you're saying you'd rather him sign with a star team rather than a team uh, that's kind of middling or worse? Right, or he'd just be by himself. Like, like all I know is that you do not want to run into Mark Sessler or, or myself on the Sunday mornings where we turn on the old game at 10 a.m. <laughs> and uh, you realize you got old Gumble and, and, and uh, Gumby. Green. You, pe- people, make, people are making comments. People th- streets talking. <laughs> streets are talking. I mean, when Mark would get it, it would like it would immediately put him in a bad mood. Me too. I I totally understand it. Yeah. I wouldn't. Say, I mean, I don't know what you guys stand. We're talking. We're talking Gumby and Green here. He had a he had a he had a podcast. streak of Gumby and Green that was tough last season. I wouldn't say that they maybe opinions vary on this. They never take away from the game where the point where I'm like liking the game. I'm watching less. But am I? Are they bringing anything to the table? Opinions definitely vary on that one. In other news, Richard Deitch of The Athletic uh, reported that Joe Tessitore and Jason Witten uh, will be a two-man booth on Monday Night Football. And Booger McFarlane, the good-natured giant, former NFL player. Is that a good way to describe someone? A good-natured giant? Affable fella? I, it's just on the borderline of offensive. <laughs> I feel like. I don't know where Good-natured giant? I don't know. Something How is wrong. that offensive? I don't know. But that, feels like a compliment to me. To that point, it did ring a bell in my own head as I was saying it. Yeah. Is that okay? He's a good-natured giant. Feels fine to me. Yeah. Okay. He's going to be the, quote, field analyst of this team. And then uh, poor Lisa Salter. She had that whole field to herself. And now she uh, <laughs> stays on. She's the only one that survives the Monday Night Football Purge. She's the sideline reporter. So I guess she has to stay on the sideline. She can't move anywhere because you got the affable giant everywhere else. <laughs> I think it's the combination of the good-natured even might be more offensive than the giant part. Anyways. He's a nice I, guy. That's what I mean. I How like good nature to uh, put down? Somehow, I don't know. Okay, go on. I mean, with faint praise, I don't know what the word is. Big Ben agrees. The, the field, I think this has really good potential. I'm excited. I what? don't know Booger McFarland's track record that well because he's a college football guy so you know it at espn but i like the idea of kind of the x's and o's guys on the field i know they tried it with tony siragusa that maybe that wasn't the right guy to execute that uh vision but lewis riddick did it in the pro bowl and i think booger mcfarland is very he is a likable guy and i think he's going to kind of add that sort of like x's and o's sideline thing i I like it's like trying something i would trying something i would love to be a fly on the wall in this meeting where someone threw out this line. Hey, what if we revive the old Tony Siragusa rule? <laughs> how, how does that happen? Well, I think the actual, hopefully, execution of it's going to be be a little different. We hope so. It's, I mean, not, it's not another sideline reporter. It's basically another guy that chimes in not as often as a third man in the booth, but he's gonna he's gonna be chiming in with some with some X's. The Saragusa thing was more than an experiment, by the way. It lasted years and years. It felt like it lasted decades. <laughs> I mean, it, 
I, Did he ever contribute anything to the broadcast? Right, but that's not Booger McFarland's fault. Go, Aikman would be like, uh, you know, throw it down to uh, Tony Sergusa. And he's like, oh, from my vantage point, that was a heck of a play. Back to you. It's like, well, they're about to wear their long cleats. <laughs> One, they tried but out. See, that's Salters' territory, though. <laughs> that's where it gets tricky. Yeah. That will not be Booger's territory. R- Richard Deitch reported this, and as part of that, he said 12 people tried out for that job that Witten got and it sounded like McFarland was another was one of those 12 as well so mm. he made an impression on them I believe Bruce Arians was one of those 12 uh too did not did not wind up getting the job well why why not just have a three-man booth I don't get this field analyst thing they're just get trying to mix shot. it up reinvent the uh, wheel if you will see if it works you sound skeptical I, I have no take are you I think Wes seems yeah to I don't yeah. I don't see how that adds to the broadcast in any meaningful way at all he said, it, I'm looking on, in these broadcasts for some announcers who can teach me things, and not enough of them are like that. Tony Romo is absolutely the so perfect example. So hearing from Booger McFarland I, once every 27 minutes is going to My guess is he'll be something? more involved, and that's going to be part of his role. We'll see. you got to be good at doing it, but he's been with ESPN for four years. This, so they, has, they like him. this has the potential to really annoy Mark Sessler. Wow. <laughs> oh, my God, you're right. And uh, And I think we all agree that, Monday Night Football was due for a change. Uh, it was not working, as we talked about uh, before um, Gruden left. So let's see what this wor- this works. Finally, uh, as we- yes, you heard from Todd Bow- Bowles earlier today. He was great. I want him to play right now. <laughs> Regarding Sam Darnold, who's uh, in his initial practices as the future and the turning point in the history of the New York Jets, his arrival. I got a lot of tweets about uh, what does Keith Hansis think about uh, the move and uh, haven't had a chance to unveil the voicemail from Keith, but uh, now it is time. His thoughts on Sam Darnold to the Jets at number three overall. His name is Keith. He's Dan's dad. No doubt about it, he's a big Jets fan. What is he going to say about the game today? What is he going to say about the game today? I think Sam Darnold was a great pick for the Jets. He's the man they wanted from the beginning, and I believe he has the intangibles needed to be a star in the NFL. Um, the Jets are certainly do. They've drafted 24 quarterbacks since 1976 in an, in an effort to replace my hero, Joe Willie. Go Jets. <laughs> He's very excited. Yes. He's very excited. I mean, my dad was born in the 50s, early 50s. And since 1975, he's seen them all, all the horrible quarterbacks. I just started – my Jet fandom really started uh, in earnest right around Browning-Nagel in 92, Mm. and it's been a hellacious hellscape of 25 years. Uh, Keith's got the Ken O'Brien, Richard Todd, uh, Pat Ryan, uh, and all the other bums in between. So who was the best one they drafted in all that span? Had to be Chad Pennington, I guess. Is he better than Ken O'Brien? Pennington and O'Brien would you've be had the closest some, they come. You've had some top ten to twelve guys, and you say you claim that that like that that even that alone, you'd be happy about that if you can just finally get a uh, a serviceable guy yeah. like that. Although I think now Sam Darnold's raised the bar on that. If he if he has Ken O'Brien's career, mm, are you going to be happy? No, no, no. I don't think. Or, Ken or O'Brien. Even, yeah, I think if he, I don't I, if he is kind of like a, a Matt Stafford type career. That w- I would definitely sign off on that. Okay. But the excitement of all this is that maybe he's way better than that. But 
Well, you know Keith's excited when he's throwing Joe Namath's name around. That's true. That's true. When Joe Willie comes up, yeah, uh, and his name has been coming up a lot, a lot with Sam Darnold. I think Darnold is the right attitude to handle that type of pressure, but we're going to find out. Oh, it's good to be a Jet fan right now anyway. In this exact moment, it is. All right, there we go. That's what's happening in the news. Now Chris Wessling wrote what he calls a sub-banger, but Greg, you and I both know that Wes is a, a gifted uh, football analyst, and he really has a way with words. Uh, so even a sub banger from West. I, I don't even believe it. Well, what He's I'm just saying being is modest. He's being uh, modest. No, it's I, the off season. How, I believe it's West. It's a very high standard for an off season banger. A sub banger from West though is someone else's supreme banger. <laughs> so I still think <laughs> you should check it out at NFL.com/slash/Westling. The top ten offenses in the National Football League. So let's get into it, Wes. Now, my first question. First of all, let me get this list up. That's important. Here we go. You have that number one. Let's have some fun at the top. Okay. And some people are going to say they're a little surprised by this. New Orleans Saints, the number one offense in the league. Uh, what makes them to you? Are they head and shoulders above the number two team you have here, the Patriots, and then the Steelers at three? Or is it really kind of a toss-up? I don't think they're head and shoulders. In fact, the Patriots led in every meaningful metric last year for offense. They were number one in everything. But they've also lost a guy who was one of the hottest running backs in the league down the stretch in Deion Lewis. They lost their deep threat in Brandon Cooks, and they don't have anyone else on the roster really who has that skill set. And they lost their left tackle. So there's a lot of questions on the Patriots' offense. They do get Edelman and Malcolm Mitchell back, and they drafted Sony Michelle, but those are question marks. Greg? I, I was surprised to see the Patriots as high as they were. So I, I appreciate it. You know, as a as a Patriot. Did you fan. see their last game? How they played on offense? Incredible. Yeah, and then and that and I think to your point, you just mentioned you know the options they have. To, they had a plan eventually for how to replace. They don't really have a vertical receiver. Cooks, I think, wasn't exactly what they wanted out of a vertical receiver either. But they are deep at receiver. I think they believe Sony Michelle will be an upgrade from Deion Lewis that has to play out. And one move that has gotten has been pretty under the radar was their trade for Trent Brown, who people around New England now seem to think has a good chance to start at left tackle, a position he did not play much in San Francisco. So we'll see if that works. Two seems high. I would not even put the Patriots number two. I would put the Steelers either one or two uh, just because the the continuity you have with Rodgers, I mean, Roethlisberger, Bell, Brown, and that offensive line. So that's eight of their 11 starters on offense. You don't see a group that good stay together that long too long. The, and, the Patriots have the greatest quarterback of all time and the greatest yeah. tight end of all time, still playing as well as they've yeah. ever played. And, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster is another guy you think can maybe even take a step. They felt good enough, Pittsburgh, about Smith-Schuster to trade uh, Martavis Bryant. So you got to love them. This, the Saints, though, just the, the, the skill, talent all over the field, playing in that building with a quarterback who's a master. Look for a weakness in that offense. We, we talked about the tight end earlier, so that's one. Ben Watson isn't a guy who's making people miss after the catch anymore. Uh, but to me, the biggest weakness is the backup quarterback. If Drew Brees goes down, their playoff hopes are over because Tom Savage is their number two. Tom Savage is real. And if you're talking about only the backup quarterback as your problem, that's mm. a pretty good offense. Yeah, Cameron Meredith, I think, can add something. When Mark Ingram is your second best running back, that's incredible. I mean, the, the that duo and that offensive line, which had so many injuries last year, that's why injuries – teams that blame their season on injuries are – 
usually fans are just kind of taking the easy way out because teams like the Saints or the Patriots, for that matter, they'll have crazy injuries and they'll figure it out. And that's Sean Payton, who is still getting it done as a play caller after all these years. Whatever reputation he has, like he has earned it. Like that is he is right near, if not the top of the list of the guys you want constructing. No hot butt. No, Mr. His issues have always been the rest, the other side of the ball. Even even during their down days, that they were one of the best offenses in the league every year. The only only hesitation I would have, not that Drew Brees really showed that he was in any level of decline, but he is now another year older. And then Kamara and Ingram, that was an all t- literally the best tandem season of all time. Uh, do they do that every single year? Probably not. Or will they ever be that good again? Maybe not. Uh, so they need to kind of continue to perform in tandem at that level or close to it for the, this offense, I think, to be number one. But not impossible, Wes. No, I agree. And I look to fourth on this list of Falcons. That could be a model of how the Saints running backs come back to the pack a little bit like Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman did last year. But that's still a great tandem in Atlanta. That's And then you add Calvin Ridley to the wide receiver core. Again, an offense where the backup quarterback seems to be the biggest problem. Maybe the play caller? Yeah, I think Sarkeesian is the guy that I worry about the most there. That's giving them some love, which I, I'm totally on board with. If if people have been listening to these podcasts the last couple of weeks, like I am very high on this Falcons team to stay near the top of the NFL. But I think the perception out there after last season is no one. most people would not consider them the fourth best offense in the league anymore. Well, I think most people look at they look at basic stats, like total offense, points per game. If you look at the metrics, they were second in drive success rate and second in yards per drive last season. They were moving the ball. Get off the field. We talked about this on the last podcast. They just had bad luck on turnovers and in the red zone. And, you know, some, some of it is Sarkeesian's play calling. He didn't maximize guys like Taylor, Taylor Gabriel. He didn't get Tevin Coleman the ball in space enough. If he can get better at that, I, I think the Falcons can just as easily go back to number one. If it's May, then Wesley and Rosenthal are writing bangers. You know the Chargers are going to be in the top five of things. Here they are sitting at number five, the number five offense in all football, according to Wes. Tell us why, Chris. Well, they won six of their last seven games last year. They were one of the best offenses already. So I expect – and then the number seven overall pick in the draft, Mike Williams, really gave them nothing. We figure he's going to have a bigger role this year. Hunter Henry uh, I thought was a top five tight end by the end of the season. And with Antonio Gates no longer around, you don't have to worry about that. The offensive line has improved with Mike Pouncey coming in as the center, and they've got a couple of second-year guards that look promising. I don't really see a weakness on this offense, except maybe running back depth. Mm. I, if I'm if I'm giving awards, though, for this list, just if I wrote and an article award. about the, the list, hardware. you know, I would give the award to uh, – oh, this is a mouthful, but, you know, the fan base with the uh, – best chance to be pissed off award, it goes to the Eagles. I mean, what the Eagles are two spots behind the Chargers after dropping a 40-burger in the Super Bowl with a backup quarterback. I, I just I, – and I get – and you can explain why you, you put them there. They're behind some other offenses. But to me, they, they have the best chance to rise if you make this list again at the end of the year because they have a chance, I think, to be one of the very best offenses. Well, I'm not really going to put – the recency bias of the Super Bowl is like the deciding. Just did it back. with the Chargers end of the season. You know. That's seven games, not one. Okay. They, the Eagles finished ninth in weighted DVOA, 11th in yards per drive, 
and seventh in total offense. They were not like some juggernaut that people couldn't stop. Where were they before Carson Wentz tore up his knee, though? They were higher. Because those but now he's coming in off and he's not going to be the same quarterback coming off an ACL surgery. Yeah, I'm I'm less worried about what all these teams did last season and more just projecting forward. And I love their offensive line in general. Do you project uh, the loss of Frank Wright and John D. Filippo hurting them at all? Not a ton. Again, and maybe I'll I'll be wrong about that. That I'm I'm because it's kind of hard to wrap your head around how much they matter or not. But when your head coach is, it's like if Andy Reid, and maybe this is giving Doug Peterson a little too much credit, but if Andy Reid loses his offensive coordinator, I don't think the Chiefs offense is going to get worse. And, and so Peterson just lost it. I kind of trust in his system and his but, quarterbacks and their talent. And they're just a, a team I kind of expect will be just very tough to defend week after week. And if their quarterback was not coming off an ACL and LCL injury, they would be higher on this list. Another fan base that is going to get angry in Wes. I, I think you could fend for yourself. Maybe you're not all the way back physically after your cancer <laughs> win. Uh, but at the same time, I know you could take care of yourself. But in Los Angeles – when you put those Rams at number seven and you or number, number eight. eight, excuse me, and you got a team that led the league in points uh, scoring last year, they add Brandon Cooks, they got all that talent, and arguably the best running back in Todd Gurley. Shouldn't they be a little bit higher? Would you believe the 2017 LA Rams finished behind the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, considerably behind the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in drive success rate and yards per drive? The Rams scored a lot of points because they have a brilliant offensive coordinator. But they did not move the ball consistently. Turnovers, possessions, short fields. They were good. They did move the ball. They were an effective offense. I don't have a problem with them being there, if only because the teams ahead of them are all rock solid. The Packer, also, Packers have Aaron Rodgers, so right. I'm just going to put them ahead of – The quarterbacks ahead of them are all right. better than Jared Goff. The, the Chargers, you know, you're high on them. And that makes sense. I, I do. I kind of expect the Rams to come back to the pack a little bit on offense, at am, least this year. Am I? I don't think I actually I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. But does anyone else think Jared Goff specifically could really come back to the pack? I'm not going to say yes. rookie year Jared Goff, but maybe somewhere in the middle. It's the big it's really the main question for that team, because you look at their offense and. They have Gurley, but it's not like it's the, a loaded offensive weapons around. No. They're good, good What weapons. happens to this offense if Gurley goes down? They're in trouble. They're in big trouble. So running back depth is, is a big issue for them. Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup. I like it's that. Good. That's it's good. A, that's a nice run, a wide receiver group. Not maybe all world, but they, they, can, they can get the job done. Tyler Higby, a tight end. Um, not exactly Gronk. It no, shows how deep exactly. the league is on offense at the Vikings with – with Cousins, who I know you like, with Dalvin Cook, who I know you like, and then Diggs and Thielen on the outside can only be ninth. I don't have a huge issue with them there because I don't know who I would put in, you know, I would put them ahead of, but that's a good-looking offense to be number nine. Case Keenum was um, a borderline stud last year in Minnesota's offense. We talked about that last week, uh, that he was in a really great setup. Now Kirk Cousins, who's a probably a substantially better quarterback, you should say, then Case Keenum now steps into that offense. Wes, you put them in the bottom of your top 10 at number nine, but some upside there to be even better, right? There is, and a lot depends on Dalvin Cook. Again, I, I have a hard time penciling guys right into their pre-injury form when they're coming back from major knee injuries. So he's a question mark. Uh, the wide receiver group is one of the best in the league, I think, and the offensive line is questionable. Okay. How about a little love from uh, West to the Detroit Lions? Usually his punching bag, yet they made the list over 
Got a the- number of teams, but the Chiefs kind of stand out to me as the team that that I would be afraid to defend. I know we have to see how it goes with Patrick Mahomes, but just the weapons and the coach. They, they finished just- in the knocking on the door category by Chris. Yeah, I'm – I'm mean, gonna bust down that door. I know everyone loves Patrick Mahomes, but uh, Patrick Mahomes gonna throw the ball through the door. That's fine. But the way I envision this offense, Damn. a young that's quarterback is gonna be making rookie mistakes. They're gonna have turnovers. They're gonna have games where they're not moving the chains. It's gonna happen. And uh, because that is one of my principal roles on this podcast, the New York Giants not even getting on knocking on the door. Well, they don't have a good quarterback. all those weapons. You need a good quarterback to have a good Hall offense. of Famer Eli Manning, Saquon Barkley, who could be Todd Gurley. Peyton Manning's a Hall of Famer, but if he was Odell leading Beckham. offense right now, I wouldn't rank him high. Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram. I mean, what else could you want? An improved offensive line. The Giants are going to score some points. I would want a good quarterback. That's what I would want in a good offense. <laughs> I mean, I knew that would be your reply as well. Well, I mean, honestly, I have you not up. watched the last two years? Uh, last year, I am throwing out last year. No, I don't, I don't mean this. I mean the way he's thrown the ball. He's not the same guy he was, but I think the he way has he escapes pressure. a ton of weapons. You could argue he had, no one has better weapons than him right now. Right? I mean, the offensive line is part of your weapons, right? Yeah. Not, well, I, don't, I, don't I don't think fu- it's fixed. I actually don't count. If we're talking football parlance, I don't count the offensive line in weapons. Mm-hmm. However, it's very important that you bring up uh, offensive line because it is a suspect offensive line at best. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll reconvene Wednesday on the offseason. Eli, is Eli Manning going to screw up the Giants <laughs> podcast? That's basically we, what we, we are. We should do every show from here until September <laughs> about this. The Buccaneers, <laughs> Texans, uh, and 49ers, I, I thought all of those have a better, uh, more deserving of top 10 mention than the Giants. They, yeah. they got on the outside. Panthers, too. Yeah. 49ers will be fascinating. Weirdly, I don't feel like we've talked about them a lot this offseason. You would think they'd be kind of a, a buzz team. Like, I, I have a lot of faith in their coach and quarterback. The rest of it is is coming together, and we have to see. Like, I don't I don't know. They, they to me, have the biggest gap maybe to be between ceiling and floor of, yeah, of just about any of these teams, certainly. Their drive success rate with Jimmy G under center would have set an NFL record if it lasted all season, and that's not going to happen this year. Uh, so check it out, NFL.com slash Wessling. I'm sure you'll get a vanity URL eventually, Chris. We shall see. A man of your stature within this organization deserves one. Uh, so check it out, uh, the full write-up from Wes. Uh, the next time you hear from us will be Wednesday, three shows this week. Um, and um, Greg is going to make a very special and extremely personal uh, announcement slash revelation on Wednesday's show, so you're not going to want to miss it. Wow. Wow, i got to come up with something. <laughs> Usually that's a bit that I would throw at Mark, and then Mark would get a little bit flustered and angry at me, but in this case I had to go to you. You know what? I actually have, I have something immediately popped into my mind. Wow. Do you want to share it on Wednesday's show? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to tease it. <laughs> So there you go. Now you got to tune in. <laughs> Craig's a man that sometimes will keep the cards close to the vest. Not on Wednesday. The guy's an open book. This is I'm looking forward to this. this. Yeah, this is one. This is one that's been it's been bubbling inside my family for a little bit. I'll just use that as my mm. interesting. Now, I, now I'm thinking I might have an idea of it, but I don't even want to say it. I don't want to speak it. <laughs> Not having another kid, wait. if that's what oh. <laughs> I thought uh, number three was coming. No, I was going to no. say you made a terrible decision. <laughs> <laughs> we got to shut it down at two, living in L.A. But it's not that. Okay, not I'm very that. excited. I, I got that it kind of sounded like that. The open book. It's the Greg Rosenthal open book podcast coming up Wednesday. <laughs> so you don't want to miss it. 
Until then, this is Dan Hansa signing off for Chris Wessling, Greg Rosenthal, and Lindsey Fulton behind the glass. Woo-wee! <laughs> Till Wednesday! You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Awards Watch says Liam Neeson is at his best. Don't miss in the land of saints and sinners. Having left his dark past behind, retired hitman Finbar Murphy, played by Neeson, leads a quiet life in a remote coastal Irish town. But when a menacing crew of terrorists arrive, Finbar is drawn into a vicious game of cat and mouse, forcing him to choose between exposing his secret identity or defending his friends and neighbors. In the land of saints and sinners, from Samuel Goldwyn Films and Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. Watch it now on digital. Rated R. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.